Deutsche Bank gets some new capital and Alibaba is changing the face of finance. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. It is Monday. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is David Hansen. David, I feel like I, I nailed that intro. Like, I don't usually know. I wasn't even listening. What'd you say? You're ne- Well, you're never listening. It was better than Friday's intro, where I think I had a little bit of... You didn't even tell me that that was going on, by the way. An imposter. For, for, for the viewers and listeners who are confused by what was going on on Friday, that was not, in fact, me. That was not me. It was Mickey Mouse. That was... Yeah, it was Mickey Mouse. Here's, here's a headline. This is... I, I guess this is news in some places. The headline is Brad Pitt throws Matthew McConaughey a beer from his balcony in New Orleans... See the pics. I saw the pics. <laughs> Did you, are you serious? Cool. You actually saw this? Just a couple of dudes. Good-looking <laughs> dudes. I mean, what, what I got to give E! Online, where this article is from, what I got to give him credit for is that they deliver on that headline. The article is about mm-hmm. him throwing the beer from one They have pictures, the whole thing. Yeah. And then the last one, Drew Brees is there. Well, because they were filming a PSA. Yeah. I, I read the whole article. Oh, you did? I just look at pictures. That's yeah, how I do my analysis. It's, it's a good article. It is from start to finish, from him getting the beer and throwing it, McConaughey catching it. Drew I mean, it's, watching. Yeah, it's really, it's from start to <laughs> All right, I'm wasting a lot of time. <laughs> First headline. Let's get to the real headlines. Deutsche Bank plans to raise $11 billion in fresh capital. This is not really too much of a surprise to anybody, Deutsche Bank, uh, boosting its capital buffer. There were expectations that this was going to happen, that they'd go to, to investors to, to get some new money. This was at the high end, though, of the range of what people were expecting. The uh, Qatari Investment Fund getting in there, getting a big chunk of this and kind of leading the way on this capital raise. But here's, I mean, here's the question we would want to address is, I mean, is Deutsche Bank an attractive investment? i, I you look at the you look at the multiples before before the capital raise, so that'll change things mm-hmm. a bit. Steep, steep discount to book value, steep discount to tangible book value. Could you see yourself looking at this bank? It hasn't been one that's been on my radar just because I can't find something I really, really like about the story about where Deutsche Bank's going over the next decade. I, I can't find that in this. Where I can find that in a JP Morgan in a Bank of America, even though I don't own Bank of America. I can see the rationale behind doing it there. And with this capital raise, you're going to have more capital on the, ba- on the balance sheet. It's going to be harder to post good returns on that equity, having a bigger base Still there. Still looking at 12% returns. That's, That's their goal. That's, That's their what goal. they hope yeah. to get to. We're going to talk about another Still, bank in a minute that hopes yeah. to get to a return that would, they may not get to either. So it's not on my radar. Is it on your radar? To, well, to, to be fair, to be fair, would you say that you don't see the story here because you've looked and you haven't seen it, or that you just haven't looked as much as you have? uh, I could probably find a story if I wanted to. I could probably look a little bit harder, but it's probably a little bit of both. I I would say that I I haven't looked enough yet. I I would be interested to to understand this more. But what I do find interesting is that you look at the multiples on a lot of the European banks today, and we talk plenty about the U.S. banks, but the European banks are... Largely, in, in some cases, trading at even more attractive multiples. Deutsche Bank, UBS, Credit Suisse are examples. And today, you've got so much skepticism around these banks. But you rewind to, I, I went back to May 19th of 2007. So today, what is that, seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. And Deutsche Bank was trading at 2.2 times tangible book value. UBS, 4.2 times tangible book value. 
Credit Suisse, 2.9 times tangible book value. And there were people who were concerned. I'm not going to say that nobody was concerned back then. But most people were feeling pretty good about the banks mm-hmm. and, and, were, and were ready to go out and buy these banks. And you had very little... You had very little cushion in those valuations for anything going wrong. And leverage was much higher than it Leverage was much higher. Significantly much yes. higher. Uh, much lower capital levels. So I, I'm still in this place where I look at, I look at banks, maybe I can say now uh, around the globe, um, and particularly a lot of these larger banks, and it's easier, I think, to be bullish about them today than it was back then. You've got more attractive valuations, you've got higher capital levels, and you've got general investor skepticism, which is usually a recipe for turnaround at some point. That's fair. I know. Fair point. I know. I came up with it. <laughs> I always Second do, headline. I always do that one thinking it's going to be something It's not good. better. I don't Wall Street Journal. Bank of America faces steeper climb up Capitol Hill. I hate this headline. He hates this headline. It says Capitol Hill, but it's spelled with an A, not I see, an O. I see what they did there. Talking about Capitol, not Capitol, the Capitol building just right Capitol across the river from Capitol. us there. So Bank of America, we talked about the error. Not mm-hmm. great having to resubmit the capital plan and probably not going to be able to get the whole, was it $6 billion around there and what they wanted to return to shareholders via buybacks, dividends. They're probably going to have to do less than that, which means more capital retained on their balance sheet. And this article is pointing out that, hey, the bank may not hit their long-term target for return on tangible equity of 14%. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to have more capital on the balance sheet here, they're going to have to grow earnings at a faster pace. Maybe next year they won't be able to return as much as everyone was expecting. So if they don't hit the goal... 14%. Is that just an arbitrary number, or are you actually concerned about them hitting that kind of North Star goal there? I want to see their return on equity and return on tangible equity considerably up from where it is now. <clears throat> but this is going to be, I think this is going to be a central issue for a lot of banks as these capital levels continue to grow and as these banks can continue to produce a significant amount of profits is going to keep rolling in and either they're going to need to keep deploying this capital at at strong rates of return or give it back to shareholders uh, through buybacks or through dividends and what we're seeing is this piling up and piling up and it is going to come down to do they return it or are they Mm -hmm. not going to be able to uh, report strong returns on their equity what i think is going to happen is at some point down the road we're going to start to see a whole lot of capital being returned to shareholders. And Bank of America, I think, is a prime candidate for that. Obviously not this year for, uh, for the, the issues they've been seeing. Citigroup, I think, is a prime candidate for that as they continue to build up their capital base. Uh, J.P. Morgan, not, not quite in the same boat as those two, but I th- you know, the, the amount of profit that they continue to generate, Wells Fargo, same thing. Shareholders, I think, are going to see a lot of money coming their way in the years ahead. And I should have said the 14% goal, <laughs> easy there, is by 2016. 20. They're not trying to get to 40% this year. It's 2016. And I think the hard thing about this situation is it's really hard to look like in a 10-year time frame. Even though we always talk about 10-year time mm-hmm. frames, it's hard to do that in terms of what the returns are going to be like because they could be low. They could be under 10% for the next three years. Mm-hmm. What do they look like in the next 10 years? And then you start getting into the, the, the equation of, is there another recession? Mm-hmm. Or do loans start going bad? So you try to balance where, do the, where does the bank sit here because they could have all this capital, and by the time they're in a good position, we could be at another credit cycle. Right? Well, if they have all this capital and... Maybe it won't be as bad, but you're not expecting awesome returns in that s- scenario then. Well, 
for that period of time. But if they're sitting on a, a big capital cushion and another credit crunch happens, then potentially they have a lot more capital to deploy on the other end of that. Whereas this time around, you had the credit crunch happen and everybody was over levered. So instead of being able to deploy capital, they had to raise capital and they had to raise that capital, keep on their balance sheets, not to put back out into the market. And not to... Ba- I mean, you mentioned Citigroup, and they bash. Were you about to say bash? I was about to say bash, and Bank of America to some extent. If we if we had a cycle like that where we had another downturn, and who's going to be able to deploy the capital? I think you're going to want to look to the bank that has the history of doing that correctly, right? And in a good manner. And it hasn't necessarily been Bank of America and Citigroup. I would look to a Wells Fargo. It, to no, be no, able no. To do look, that. it has been Bank of America, though. It has been Bank of America, yeah. not in buying countrywide. Not in overpaying for Merrill Lynch, but Bank of America prior to those prior to those acquisitions was a pretty darn good lender. Okay, I'll That's, keep it. A, I'll keep it to Citigroup then. All right, the lenders that have I'll, the, I'll the, let the you, discipline I'll, I'll to let actually have deploy that. at the bottom. If you look at a Wells Fargo or U.S. Bank Web, you would want to look at the good banks to do that. Yeah, rather than the ones that we we hope to be good banks now. Right. So we'll see. That's fair. Bank, good bank, good bank. Citigroup, <laughs> Bank of America knew what they were doing. Okay. At one time, third headline. Going overseas to Alibaba, the new face of finance in China. This comes from Reuters. This is about a, it's basically a money market fund called, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, Yue Bao. Is that how you'd say it? Yue Bao? Yue Bao. Yue Bao. Uh, this, is tied to, this is tied to Alibaba. It's got Alibaba customers pouring their money in, in here. They can stash their money in here, get high rates of return. I think the article said that the rates of return were around 5% annually. Uh, and then also be able to access it to pay for things online and such. And this is here, – here's – I'm going to read a quote from the article. This money market fund, Yue Bao, has been such a success that the fund management company that helped launch it Tianhong Asset Management Co. has gone from near obscurity to China's biggest in terms of assets under management in just months. So this, I think this ties to something we've talked about on this show, where you have this powerful online company with a wide reach partnering with a more traditional finance company and, and being able to offer financial products that way. And I think this is, again, I think, I think this could be a route that a Facebook, that a Google, that a... Um, Apple mm-hmm. could take to go further into the into the financial uh, financial realm, and frankly, I, I think it makes sense that the financial industry hasn't been transformed more by the internet than it has so far. But it's a I think it's a, a particularly long ball because of the regu- uh, the regular right. heavily regulated nature of the industry. And it probably hasn't helped the like. The, the when you look cards, at the platforms yeah. recently, the last five years probably haven't been the best time for a bank to be like, oh, I want to go try this crazy new thing. Right. But you have to wonder, long term, how much can the internet still change banking and finance? Probably a lot. In terms of this specific situation, does that raise some red flags for you? Or some but, yellow flags? Potentially. And, well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is that in between now and when that change takes place, there's going to be some really, probably some dumb things that happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this is one of them, but maybe you'll have some dumb things that happen between now and then. But there may, I think that there's probably significantly more change to come. And I would hope that some of the financial companies that I own are going to be on board with that change and participating in that change rather than being the ones fighting against it. I agree. End up the newspapers of the finance world. You don't want that. 
I don't Nobody want that. wants that. Oh, God, that would be horrible. Our focus for today, we've got a lot of merger and acquisition activity mm. going on. Got to love it. Good for, good for investment banks. They get all these fees from, the, uh, from the, the mergers and acquisitions that go on. It was Pfizer, AstraZeneca. Uh, that deal, or proposed deal, just got turned down by AstraZeneca. Mm-hmm. Uh, AT&T is buying out DirecTV. Uh, that's a gigantic deal. What is that on the order of $50 billion? Is that, is I think that, the total, right? including debt, like $67 billion. So, I mean, these are, these are monster M&A deals. Question for you. When you hear about these deals, is this an enticement to go look at the stocks involved in the deals? That's so that's the first, that's that's first question. question. That's the first question. Okay. First, question. first question. Are you going to give me the second one or I have to answer that one? No, you've got to answer that one first. Okay. For me, no. No. I am not interested at all, especially if I'm not an owner of one of the two companies. Uh-huh. I don't want to get involved in that situation because that is not my circle of competence. There are people who, there are firms who specialize in only dealing with merger situations and trying to read what's going to happen. So you're thinking about the merger arb, the merger arbitrage. Yeah. What, what about... The long-term value? Yeah, so, so... I would wait for AT- the dust to settle for sure. I'm not going to So you're not to- excited about the potential that DirecTV can bring to being inside of it, the, the larger AT&T? No. Okay. Not at all. And especially, I mean, <laughs> the, deal, the deal was for well, what? 90, $95? You look at DirecTV today, it's trading at $83. Mm-hmm. There's a huge spread there in terms of what's even going to happen with this. Some people might say, well, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get $95. No, there's a lot of stuff that's going into Now you're that talking spread. about DirecTV. DirecTV, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about that? AT&T. Okay. Would you buy AT&T thinking that... No, not yet. I would okay. 100% wait for the dust to settle. What, what are, about you? So these are... Well, these are... Me- I'm, I'm not going to answer. Okay. I'm not going to answer my own questions. These are mega mergers. What about smaller mergers and acquisitions? S- snap-ons, if you will. Bolt-ons. Bolt-on. You can call it snap-on too. All right, you can call it whatever you, you want. I have to bolt it on. You can just snap it on there. Um, do you have an example? What's like a recent one? What's a smaller one? Um, Between are you talking about two public companies here? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean we could we could talk about Microsoft buying Skype. You can consider that a Bolt-on, bolt-on acquisition. Mm-hmm. It's not recent. I would be more interested in that situation than a enormous merger of two kind of very different companies. Okay, so here is the other question. Unmerging, mm-hmm. do you think that this creates value and are there any companies out there that you think should be broken apart or would do better broken apart? Mm. I think it can definitely create value. I mean, we've seen it create value in, in spinoffs, Visa. I mean, that was mm-hmm. part of a, a larger organization, spun off, done very well. So it, in cer- some circumstances, yes, can do very, very well. In terms of a company that would do better in terms of shareholder value if it was spun off, I think J.P. Morgan probably would. Really? Yeah. What do you think? Now, what parts would you break that into? Maybe just a consumer corporate. A consumer... So you don't just think two. that they... Not, not trying to get into asset management and all that other stuff. Hmm. I would do just consumer corporate. So what do all of the corporate business deposits go over into the corporate bank as well? Yes. You don't think that there are economies of scale with having those two businesses together? There are, but you could argue that the value would be unlocked more as separate. So you would have a... a like sh- so, so shareholder value just increasing the market value? Yes. I think you could say the same thing about Bank of America. Look, they've divided their operating structure into two separate things mm-hmm. with the two COOs of Tom Montag and David Darnell in terms of 
consumers yeah. side of the business and then the corporate side of the business. So in theory, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it, but they're already kind of thinking that way. Those could be two separate companies there, and there's not a lot of overlap, even though they like to think that they can... Well, the sheer size of the balance sheet, I think, does help a lot, particularly on the corporate side. On the consumer side, I don't know how that that really helps all that much, but having a giant balance sheet can really help you on the corporate side. In terms of borrowing? In, well, in terms of borrowing, but also in terms of, like, on the investment banking side, for instance, securing deals. When you have the ability to put billions or hundreds of millions out there in financing, that can help a lot in, uh, in getting a deal tilted your way. The counter to that would be that the small inve- there are small investment banks that do fine, though. They do. They do. My boys at Evercore. Right, right, right. But that's but that's M and A. What about and even M and A helps. Um, but what about you know restructuring deals, uh, debt deals, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing. I mean, it would still be an enormous company even without the consumer uh, there. You look at Goldman Sachs; they don't have a consumer arm hanging onto them, and they, they can do they can structure deals. They'd be so, so you're thinking the the corporate bank of J P Morgan would be akin to Goldman Sachs? Yeah. Would you rather own that or Goldman Sachs? Good question. I know it is. I don't know. In the meantime, I'll say that, that I, I think we've seen there, – there's an argument that if, if AIG had never blown up, never let its financial products division get out of line, maybe it would have made sense to hang on to assets like ILFC. But be that as it may, we're looking at the AIG, what it is today, what happened. That's all reality. So I think spinning off ILFC or selling ILFC made sense. And that was a that was a good example of of demerging or spinning off that created value. I do I think PayPal's got to get out of eBay. I think PayPal would be better as a uh, an individual one. I just used the example of Microsoft and Skype. I, I don't know that Microsoft has done anything with Skype that really makes it part of Microsoft, makes it valuable for the Microsoft ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Spin Skype back off, get that on the public markets. I think that would do well on its own. Um, as far as companies that should merge, finish on a quick one. Mm. I think there's some. I, I think some middle market banks um, should think about merging. I, I don't know that it'll happen, but like some of the in the in the BB and T and SunTrust kind of size, maybe get a couple of those banks together and challenge some of these larger banks that that everybody is so unhappy with. Can I give you a tech one? Yeah, go ahead. Both of us own it. You can do whatever you want. Google buying Zillow. Google. Whoa. What do you think about that? Crazy. Just crazy enough to work. You got two map, you got a map giant, someone that relies on mapping data. You yeah. got the ad giant, company that relies on Makes ads. Makes sense. 300% premium? <laughs> both both owners of Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound Sounds of that. Good to me. Let's get on to the game for today. We've got a little bit of a stock quiz today. Stock quiz, we've got two questions. Mm-hmm. Try to stump each other. And let's get the first question up there. First question. Oh, I'll let you read it. This is your question. Since 2007, Visa has shrunk its share count by 9.5%, 17.9%, 23.4%, or 26.7%. What do you got? I'm going to go with a 9.5%. Incorrect. Oh, yes. I have been on such a roll with you this. You have. I finally got him. <laughs> it is B, 17.9%. Since 2007, and I did 2007... That's when they came about there. Uh, MasterCard, only 9.5. That was the MasterCard. Okay. So Visa has reduced its share count by more than MasterCard. Correct. Alrighty. Second question. We're going to Markel, which just recently or over the past year, 
year plus bought Altera. What percentage of Altera's 2013 business was reinsurance? A, 11%, B, 23%, C, 39%, or D, 57%? I know it's not A, 11%, way too low there. Uh, Would you like to phone a friend? <laughs> Who am I going to phone? <laughs> Got Tom Gaynor on the line. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with C, 39. Oh, you got it right. Oh, I thought I was going to say it was wrong. No, you got it right. 39%, if you, if you include the Lloyd Syndicate in there, if you, the Lloyd Syndicate isn't all reinsurance, but if you were to include that, it goes up to 44%. But, but I think it's something interesting to consider about Altera that I think I've thought about it, and I think a lot of other people think about it as a reinsurance acquisition. Does bring a lot of reinsurance exposure to Markel, but also a lot of primary insurance in there, both on the U.S. side and globally. All right. Uh, we have an email address. That email address is WTMI at fool.com. We love getting questions and comments and jokes. We love getting jokes to that email address. We've got an email today from Rahul. Rahul writes, Matt mentioned on the Monday show that he has a checklist which he goes through before he buys a stock. I'm sure all of us listeners would love it if you would share the checklist with us. I'm happy to do that. Um, this, is, this is the checklist that I use. It's short. Um, it's not just a it's not just a check off. I go down go down the list with with every company, and I can kind of give them a one point or a less a half mm-hmm. point, quarter point as I go through here, and then I add up all the points that they've gotten, and I can sort of rank the companies that I own based on the number of total points they have. Thank so it's a we're running short on time. So we are running rapid, short on time. Rapid fire. Got nine nine points here. First one is a uh, large and growing market serves a large and growing market. Uh, has experienced and dedicated management that can mean both time at the company, also ownership stake in the company, competitive advantage, smart capital allocation, wise compensation structure. So that means you go through the proxy statement mm-hmm. to figure out how the executives are compensated, cost discipline. So we don't want to see the company overspending on lavish offices or planes for the, for the executives to take vacations, clear communication on vision and strategy. Optionality, that is, this is a, a company that has the ability to tackle a number of different areas. Amazon mm-hmm. is a great example of a company with a ton of optionality. And number nine, last for a reason, reasonable price. Mm. Want to get a reasonable price on things, but I don't want to sacrifice the, the importance of the business and the management as I'm looking for reasonable price. So I don't think, and, and, I, and, I, and I do realize that I put this first sometimes when we're talking about stuff on this show, I don't put valuation, I don't put price above all these other considerations when I'm buying. But all equally, equally weighted. They're all equally weighted, but remember, it's, it's nine points and reasonable price is one of nine points. So I probably, I probably weighed in my head a little bit more than one out of nine in the right. consideration. Um, but it's very much everything comes into play here, and it's not just price can be a yay or nay factor on its own. Sounds good. All right. Well done. Finishing off the day on the Twitter sphere with one minute and 50 seconds left. David, what is the first tweet? I think we have three. This is from the sailor at sailorsfly1. At TMF Financials, how often do you look at your portfolio on a daily basis now that smart, smartphones allow you to access it in real time? I do not have my portfolio on my smartphone. I don't actually even have a portfolio management app on my smartphone. I look at my portfolio a couple times a month, maybe two times a month. I don't look at it on my phone. I don't have one either. 
I'll look at it maybe once a week. Okay. Maybe that's too much. But I, I'm not doing it just like, be like, oh, what's the price now? Right. Uh, in terms of new investments, I like to go to what I already have to mm-hmm. reevaluate what's in there. What can I maybe add to? What am I more comfortable with now? What am I less comfortable with? So it's more just to reassess what's in there rather than to like be obsessed with the price. Yeah, and, and I should say the same thing. When, when I, at the times I do check my portfolio, it's more to look it over and say, reevaluate where everything stands. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, I don't, look at the, I don't look at like the, the returns that have, yeah, stupid. Next tweet. This comes from Ruth Mantel. That's at Ruth Mantel. In Q1, Americans' credit card balances dropped to the lowest tally in more than a decade. I don't think that's necessarily bad news for the credit card companies, Visa and MasterCard, as it is for banks that are big on credit cards. Yes, definitely not bad for the Visa and MasterCards of the world. Well, not definitely not bad. If people are using the cards less, people are using them more, though. Did it say that they were using them more? No, but I know that in my brain. Oh, you know, you know that. It's <laughs> yeah. just one of those things mm-hmm. in David's, that we're going to n- name a new segment, David's Gut. David's and, brain. And you'll just be able to spout things off the top of your head. Just a fact. I think that actually. I have nothing to add. Just a, just a fact. I think that actually will be a segment. <laughs> okay. From the gut with David Hansen. <laughs> Sounds gross. All right. Final tweet. Um, final tweet is from History in Pictures, at History in Pics, Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan, and Bubba reunited. We have a picture. There's Bubba, Lieutenant Dan, Forrest Gump. Tell me the truth. This was an Instagram from your weekend. You, yeah. t- you took that took picture. That. <laughs> that was mine. That you and good. the boys were, were hanging out. Eating shrimp. Eating shrimp, drinking some beers. Popping more shrimp. They're like, come on, get us on Instagram. And you're like, yeah, okay. It's like, sure. all right, guys. guys. <laughs> but I won't be in it. Yeah, too cool. All right, that's the show for today. You can find us on Twitter at TMF Financials. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Swell to listen to the audio version of this show. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is David Hansen. We'll see you tomorrow.